Stroll through a Tulsa shopping center sealed Yevgeny Yevdashenko's decision to settle in Tulsa. As he was walking through Utica Square one day, he heard Laura's theme from the movie Dr. Zhivago play, uh, based on Pasternak's book. At first, he thought he was delirious, but he learned that the center played the haunting melody every day at noon. I thought, quote, this was a sign from God, so I'll stay here. And the rest, as they say, is history. <laughs> Living on Tulsa time. That's a gorgeous That's right. theme. Lars' theme is a gorgeous theme. I always get chills because it's so cold. Yeah. Remember the mansion was covered in snow and ice. And <laughs> just such a beautiful vision. you know. And I think that he wasn't uh, Boris Pasternak, wasn't that one of uh, Yevgeny Yevdyshenko, your father's uh, favorite poets or one of his yes, influences? He, yes, huge influence. Um, he, I think he met Pasternak when... He was, I mean, he must have been 20, 21, something like that. And Pasternak would have this tradition of he would invite as many writers because he was the, the old guard, right? Um, he wanted to see what the new generation was bringing. So it was kind of a, let's see what you got. Let me yeah. see if I can right. guide you, develop you, give you some pointers. <laughs> no pressure. And my dad actually, he, he read Dr. Zhivago, the, the novel, and he didn't really care for it. <laughs> uh, and he, he, he told Pasternak, he's like, I like your, I like your, Poetry. Pasternak yes. in Russia is known as more yeah. as a poet. I like your poetry mm. better. I like your poetry better. Doctor Zhivago is a great book, but I like your poetry better. <laughs> I like it better. Yeah. Yeah. Welcome everybody. Welcome. We're back right. with Wacky Poem Life, episode eighty-six. We're calling this one Genius Tulsa. Yeah, Genius Tulsa. <laughs> this is his show. Yeah. So on the last episode, we're the background singer show. <laughs> no, no pressure. No pressure. <laughs> 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 So on the last episode, we talked to Zinya about his father, Yevgeny Yevdyshenko, who lived in Tulsa for the last couple decades of his life. And we have a little exhibit here on loan from his family at the museum. And we're going to have a celebration of his birthday on July 22nd. And we also thought we wanted to do an episode where we just talk about all the things that Zinya is involved with in Tulsa with the arts and poetry scene and hear a little bit of his poetry too. So that's why we're here. That's why we're here. The Man, sequel. that sentence went on forever. Yeah. <laughs> was it was grammatical on. though. That was a run on. <laughs> no, it was not. <laughs> Just another rhetorical device, you know, to make the conversation more charming. Right. <laughs> so welcome back. Yes. Yeah. To, to the show. Oh my gosh, I'm just so thrilled to have my own feature. Yes. Is. yes. <laughs> right. is, don't get me used to it. Featured <laughs> performer. Um, yeah, so we'll talk a little bit about something we, were, we talked about before. I think the first show that we recorded was how incredible it is that uh, Joy Harjo is uh, performing in Tulsa on June 10th. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she's performing. She at, will have performed. This will be after that. Yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah. <laughs> this will post after that. <laughs> yes, you will have. Um, and last week, Natasha Trethewey was in Tulsa reading a poem that she wrote about uh, her experience researching um, the Tulsa Race Massacre, as well as, um, you know, just being in Tulsa and thinking about mm-hmm. that space. And that's two poet laureates mm-hmm. in Tulsa, Oklahoma, in the span of a week and a half. Maybe we can get Ada Lamont here. Yeah, I mean, the the sky's the limit, you know, or, you know, we've been to, I mean, Oklahoma is really, the literary culture in Oklahoma is really underrated. Um, I feel like even even from going stuff to like Scissor Tail and they're bringing in contemporary, you know, contemporary masters like Arthur C. He was was reading or Mm -hmm. um, Major Jackson, but even aside, you know, from poets that aren't from Oklahoma, like Oklahoma poets are just really good. Yeah, we got an awesome sampling here. Yeah, and you could mm-hmm. go even go back to like Woody Guthrie if you want to call him as the first, you know, yeah. po- Oklahoma poet. My distant know. cousin. <laughs> really? I, I, I no. claim him. You should. You I should claim, claim him. that. <laughs> I was about Sean, to, they share well, the same last name. Quit pulling my cover. 
<laughs> yeah, and uh, a few years ago, was Billy Collins a poet laureate? Yes, yes, he was. Okay. He was in Tulsa as well. He was in Tulsa. It was such a wonderful reading. I love that. I got to hear him at the mm. pack. Yeah. And, yeah, it's just it's just kind of phenomenal. And lately in Tulsa, too, I think um, I've really been trying to. It's just strange to say poetry scene or literary scene because I don't think of myself as a cool kid <laughs> or a scene kid or whatever. You're on the scene. I'm on the scene, yeah. <laughs> uh, gosh. But in the last, I mean, say, I want to say like five, seven years, I mean, Tulsa's really, really been investing a lot in literary arts. Um as you know, everybody from everyone from you know people with organizations with a lot of reach um, like you know, the Kaiser Foundation, um, but also you know private collectives have jumped up. I mean every everything from grassroots to big names, everything's kind of it's it's just a strangely good time to be an aspiring writer or an avid reader or at least a curious person and be living in a Tulsa. Mm-hmm. Um, two of the world's best are. Most famous, I should say, literary translators are currently living in Tulsa. Uh, Jennifer Croft, who is from Tulsa, Oklahoma, originally. She's the um, main literary translator of um, Horrible with Polish Names. I hope she forgives me. But uh, Olga Tarkuczyk, whose um, Books of Jacob won the Nobel Prize in, I think, 2015, 2016 in literature. And her main English language translator is from Tulsa, Oklahoma, wow. and she lives in Tulsa, Oklahoma, mm-hmm. and she teaches at the University of Tulsa, and well, she's a Tulsa artist fellow, and very, very smart. Well, then you know that Tulsa does have the center, is the center of the universe. <laughs> right, right, exactly. You know that. You stand there and be in the center of the universe, so just just saying. And anytime we have visitors in Tulsa, I take them to that center every time. <laughs> stand right here. Why are Turn you around. giving me side eye, Bill? <laughs> no, 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 I'm not, I'm not. Sean's like, behave. I'm like, I don't want to behave. Well, and it just so happened that um, Jenny Jenny Croft, she was, um, she's in her, I believe she's in her early 40s, um, but she was um, a student of my dad's at the University of Tulsa, one of many. But she was accepted when she was 15, 16 years old to the University of Tulsa. Wow. Wow. Yeah, so very, very talented, you know, young mind. Um, And, is, is just such a magnanimous and lovely person. And if you ever get a chance, if you see that she's doing a talk about translation or anything, please go please go see her. And she recently had a memoir that I think is up for the major prize in the UK right now. So a girl from Tulsa has is on a short list, I think, for a major European <laughs> literary award. So how's that? <laughs> yeah. I think um, it's great. I've always had a fondness and a bias toward Tulsa, as opposed as opposed to the other city in the there's state. A, there's a big <laughs> there is a big rivalry. I being from out of state, I didn't know that Oklahoma City and Tulsa had quite the rivalry. Well, quite the rivalry. I didn't pick up on it until later. Yeah, it, it is, and it's you know, and I've I've heard lots of you know, I can't. I don't want to say because I have friends in Oklahoma City, but. You know, Tulsa's the younger, prettier sister. Well, well, of course it is. Is that what your opinion is? I, I, I like them both. Well, it's much prettier. That's much prettier. For sure. Okay. Oklahoma City <laughs> friends, I apologize. So. Nah, don't apologize. Yeah, don't apologize. Tries to market know itself it. as like the Paris of the prairies. Yeah, Paris of the prairies. Kind of and she's like, oh, that's that's a little, you know. <laughs> it's like, okay. It's like this very alliterative and very it's nice. A little Eiffel Nobody that's been to Paris would confuse. I love Tulsa, but nobody that's been to Paris would confuse Tulsa for, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> for Paris. Um, but it is prettier in Oklahoma City. <laughs> right, right, and, and and that's fine too. Yeah. I, I think I honestly think Locust Grove is really pretty. Jinya uh, said that Locust Grove is a very progressive little town, and 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 I, well, and it's it's getting there. It's got the, it's got your museum, it, it, you know, so it's getting there maybe. Okay, you know. We're yeah, there's to... definitely a community of people that want to be engaged in the arts here. Yes. We're... It's very small. It's small, but, it's but, but we're fervent. Mm-hmm. Yes. No, but that's fervent. important. You know, how did things start like that? With the seed. With the right. Planting of a seed. Yeah, we're like little groundhogs. Yeah. Small, <laughs> small but fervent. Well, right. even Tulsa has such a rich history, you know, of um, like the White Dove Collective, you know, the guys that ended up becoming part of the New York School. Uh they were from the, uh, Ron, Ron Padgett, Ron Padgett yeah. uh, Brainyard, I think, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, Joe Brainyard. We've yeah. said some, uh, we've quoted some of his poems yeah. on here. Those yeah. are Tulsa guys that get lumped in with the New York school, right? Mm-hmm. But yeah, there's still posters and like, like little handouts at the Center of Public Secrets in Tulsa, which mm-hmm. is on 6th Street. 
Um, but yeah, they have little the OG, the, <laughs> the original like little pamphlets that they were handing out when the White Dove Collective started. Interesting. Well, there's all kinds of organizations in Tulsa, and I know you are uh, working with some of them, Jenya. I just think, um, you know, there's we've got Magic City Books there, the Arts Alliance of Tulsa, Circle Cinema, Tulsa Artist Fellowship, the Greenwood cultural centers there black wall street just had the the switchyard festival or mm-hmm. is that still ongoing no it just it just wrapped up just wrapped up mm-hmm. living arts of tulsa tri-city collective there's there's some tell uh, tri- us tri-city what, collective yeah is so what are you much. doing um i'm just so impressed by the level of like dynamism in tulsa i mean living arts as well they do so many i, I was recently invited to do uh to perform with them and raise money for uh, family and children's services mm-hmm. through poetry and through music. And there was a really good turnout on on the night that saw Lizzo performing on oh. the same oh. night. Oh. On the night that also had a Beethoven symphony. <laughs> you know, same you night. Some, all you had some competition. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, mm-hmm. Beethoven and Lizzo, and there's still, you know, 50 people, sure. 75 people showing sure. up for a poetry event, despite right. bad parking and, <laughs> and, and you know, every, everything that, you know, goes awry in downtown Tulsa. Certainly. Um, but... Living Arts is another organization that I've become involved with. Um, I've started, I'm very new to their poetry committee. So just, again, organizing events like that, uh, sometimes to raise money for charity, sometimes just as a just a fun event. Like one event that I'm, I'm helping plan for next calendar year will be um, giving the, have you all heard of the organization Poetic Justice that yes. brings creative? Yeah. Yes. Uh, they started out in Tulsa, cool. <laughs> of all places. Yeah. One of the co-founders, uh, Claire Collins, I'm, I'm friends with them, and Ellen Stackable, I'm also friends with her. Ellen was a, a public school teacher for a very, very long time, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. she started this you know, incredible uh, program to bring creative writing into uh, incarcerated women specifically, and Oklahoma is number one in that in the yeah. world. Yeah. So that's we like to lock up our women per capita. Not not something we want to be known for necessarily. No. That's a, a, a bit of a black eye. Yeah. You know? we, we don't do good on the list and we, for the most mm-hmm. part. But, I see. But then, you know, here's this ray of hope and this yes. sunshine. Sure. It's like, look, here's an Oklahoman trying to, through poetry, mm-hmm. trying to do something. What, do you have handy one of the poems that you read that night, or do you want to just, um, or you got one in particular you'd like to read? I do. That night, um, one of the poems I read was um, this poem is actually, I've been working with, a lo- I'm plugging my own project very selfishly. Please do. Um, I'm working with a local photographer in Tulsa. We're launching a, a three, um, it's a three book series of exploring the definitions of and limitations of uh, gender identity. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm a you know cisgender straight white guy. Mm-hmm. Um, the person I'm working with, Megan Torres, uh, she is um, bisexual. She owns her own photography studio. I mean, she's a single mom. She's she's just really, really tough. And so I wanted to collaborate with somebody from the LBGTQIA plus, you know, spectrum um, to like, I don't see a lot of, there's a lot of writers that write about, you know, issues surrounding queer identity, that kind of thing. But I don't see a lot of straight writers, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, cisgender writers. I don't see them going into that space. Mm-hmm. Um, so I decided, why don't we Collaborate and have an ecrastic project for our first for our first installment, which was called Manual for Masculinity. And if anything, it says that we don't need manuals for masculinity. Hey, so it's a bit men, <laughs> right, right, and that right. everyone is you know masculine in their own different ways, you know, different, and especially growing up as a, as a young as a young man, um, you know, the whole like boys don't cry thing, act like a man, you know, this kind this kind of stuff, or you know, when a, if you're a young young girl growing up, you know, you see that and you're like, well, I have to be tough too, or finding maybe I need to be more feminine or whatever. So we're just kind of exploring those messy definitions of that. Those boxes uh, that right. no one wants to be in. Right. And mm-hmm. so for the first collection, I um, I collaborated on a poem with a nine-year-old boy mm-hmm. and just asked him what makes him, and I just simply asked him, what makes you feel strong? Mm-hmm. And he said, well, to bring love into the world, which is an incredible wow. answer, yeah. which is an incredible answer from anyone, let alone Bravo. a nine-year-old. Yeah. That is strength. Um, yeah. And it's, you know, he's, uh, that's his name is Esteban. He's Megan's son, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we're kind of exploring our own masculinity and what that means. But sometimes when we get bogged down in masculinity, a lot of toxic things can happen mm-hmm. and, and occur. 
Um, and so I wrote this poem. It's kind of a mental health poem. It's a little, to use a very pretentious adjective, Whitman-esque. Uh, I borrow from Whitman and from the best of him, not so much the worst. Because uh, there were, you know, we need to acknowledge that when it comes to our great literary heroes. Um, but this poem is called I Celebrate You. Mm-hmm. I celebrate you within the altar of my footsteps, where I will meet death, where I took my first breath. You guide me, Polaris of mistakes, to memories like angry broken dishes never shattered enough to be replaced. Here I invite your naked son to break bread with each crumb I miss, where numbness weeps, where sleep wears a cloak of dreams, twirling between sepia and escape trapped in a photograph. I recognize my face in yours, my crow's feet kicking in the aftermath, rewriting letters that we never wrote. Silence sits with me. Its holiness teaches me to hear each distant footfall in your ancient prayer. There is always something sacred and something shared. An imagined fate, a misstep anew, shattering its constellation. I was never damned into an Isaac. I wouldn't die for God, nor for Abraham, but for the hint of godliness in every man. Childlike and mischievous, mortality doesn't imprison us like pressed flowers and doesn't deliver us from owning evil, nor immortality. Time flies like wild kites. Act as if you were born a miraculous crime, this your thousandth in your first life. This time the prayer spins and sings for only itself, and you are the constellation. You are the star long dead, still reflecting like a heartbeat against parallel worlds. You must find infinity within your own zeros, an Ouroboros of salvation where dry petals curl on a borrowed rose, sliding eternally on a Mobius waltz. Words with lost thorns wait beneath my feet. So begins the lowliest prayer. Again, 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 again. I celebrate you again. Awesome. Bravo. <laughs> oh, thank you. Bravo. Yes. And I noticed this first off the bat because we just uh, we recorded your the the earlier session uh, about your father is you are reading your poetry different than you read your father's poetry. Oh, thanks. Yeah, because you have a different voice and um, I worry about that a lot. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean there's a very declarative mm-hmm. sense to your poetry. I don't know that much of it, but you did win our uh, WordFest poetry <laughs> contest years Imagine this that. year, so I know that Imagine. one and a couple of others. And uh, there's this is a very de- declarative uh, feel to your poetry. And also, though, the imagery is immediate and um, contemporary mm-hmm. in a way that I think makes it powerful. Thank you very much. You, Thank you. Because you gave birth to your, you, this is your child. You gave birth to this. This is yours. Yeah, right. And you're right. So the, the, you own this. It's mm-hmm. comfortable. It, it, it's it's part of who you are. Yeah, so. and, it, and it takes a while to, and I'm sure both of you, you know, can attest to this, but when you're reading a poem, maybe it's not your own work, or maybe it is, but the first time that you read it, you're kind of, you're almost like a baby, like mm-hmm. deer, right? Mm-hmm. You don't really know the inflections. You don't really know the inside and out of the poem. And so I don't really think a poem is done until you perform it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even if you're, that's your final draft. We all say that's our final draft. There's yeah. more than, there's, <laughs> never, there's multiple final there's drafts. There's never a final draft. No, right. <laughs> um, yeah, and so and that project's really special to me because um, my, uh, my younger brother is also gay. Um, and he... Uh, doesn't you know we are we're, we're all so quick you know you don't necessarily need to read that poem from that perspective um necessarily that okay he's writing about masculinity he's writing about gender identity that's a standalone poem as well um but within that poem i think we're all so quick whenever we do have questions of our identity whatever it might be you know we're we, at least me but i i feel like i'm not i feel like i'm not the only one um kind of tends to when you question yourself so much of who am I what is this what am I feeling you kind of start losing yourself a little bit and it's Mm -hmm. just like you stop enjoying just being alive and just being yourself and that's really what that poem is for me it's it's advice for myself but it's also (laughs) advice for for anybody that's yeah maybe that maybe that finds you and maybe you kind of get lost in its imagery or you feel a little listless, right? Yeah. And hence the declarative nature of it. Mm-hmm. Um, here's somebody that doesn't know me that's celebrating me. Yeah. Right. 
Now you said this acrostic. So is she doing the artwork, and then mm-hmm. your poems are following from the artwork? Then right. So her, we're on the, on the first. This is a, I can't believe it, but this is a three-part project. It was supposed <laughs> to be a one-part project, but in the first part, the manual for masculinity project, um, she is Megan is largely matching her photography to my poetry. In the second volume, so kind oh. of a right. Oh. And the yeah. second volume that we're doing, um, that we're working on, is going to be called Field Guide to Femininity. Um, and I'm partnering with a lot of my friends and acquaintances and other poets in town that I know. Um, and I'm co-writing quite a few of these. Pick me, pick me. Oh, I'd love to. <laughs> yeah. um, and so, you know, we're, we're, it's a co-written mm-hmm. thing. Um, and But she's really, her photos, that's going to be true ekphrasis, where her Mm -hmm. her photos are guiding what I write. Oh, I like that idea, though, of her artwork coming from your poetry. Yeah, we're in conversation. Because it's usually this, you know, the opposite. Right. And that's a big challenge for her as well. You know, she'd never done any project like this. I've never done any project like this. And then the third installment, uh, it's going to be an anthology that I'm co-editing with uh, Quinn Garver-Johnson. And they run... Uh, the People's Poetry Series at the Woody Guthrie Center, yeah. which is fantastic <laughs> if, you've ever, if you ever get a chance to go. Uh, I highly recommend it. And Quinn is just a wonderful poet as well. Um, but they're helping me uh, co-edit an anthology, and we're just soliciting. Um, that's going to be voices only from the, um, from the, the queer community in Tulsa writers. And how refreshing and how needed now during this time when there seems to be a, uh, a stranglehold on, on the LGBTQIA community. Because I have always felt like someone who is a, I've, I'm all, I've always been sensitive. I'm a member of the community. I've always been emotional. And I've always been sort of taught that that's not allowed. That's really a, a weakness. As I've gotten older, and as I've become, become more accepted, what I've realized is that is actually uh, not only is that who I am, that is my superpower. Mm-hmm. Absolutely it is. And yeah. it's just refreshing mm-hmm. to know that I can just be this and it like me or not. Mm-hmm. You know, this is this is what it is. So how how I appreciate that so much. So thank you from from my heart to yours. You know, it, it's it's wonderful. So no, thank you very much. Mm-hmm. That means a lot. Thank yeah. you. Yes. And and for and what a great example for your younger brother to have you as a safe harbor. You know, to, oh, to, yeah. to just come, come stay, uh, you know, I accept you, I love you, and we need more of that. Mm-hmm. So That's a good title for a poem, too, Bill. Safe Harbor. Yes. I'll write that down. Write that <laughs> yeah, down. write that down. Yeah. Jot that down. Absolutely. He's always saying things. I'm like, mm, I'm like Dolly. Do that. I'm like Dolly. I've got to have a, a, a spiral in every table. Write this down. Write this down. It's a song. And then, yeah, your body or your, your arm is just covered. I'm not tattooed yet, but I, 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 I need to. I've got a, I, I got him for us. I've got a brown. I do have a, I've got a brown recluse bite. Does that count? No, no that no, definitely I, counts. I, I don't have any tattoos, but I just feel like that you, with, with Shen, yeah, I feel like it's just kind of a, a, a kinship. With you, and I just oh, I, I appreciate that, you know, with with the with with Sean with with Shinya. You're not gonna be my kin anymore. I see how it is. No, I'm gonna be your kin. I'm <laughs> it's gonna, gonna be, be an your... awkward family reunion. I, I told <laughs> I told Sean I'm 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 the new adoptive brother for the Perkins community. <laughs> oh, good. brother, you know. So. Yeah, that's We're a good family having... to be a part of. Yeah. Right, right. It is. He gets to come out to the compound. Not everybody gets to come out to oh, the Perkins compound. Come out to the compound. <laughs> we, we would allow you on the Perkins compound, oh, wow. Virginia. Yeah, that, that would be fun. That'd be fun. <laughs> Mm-hmm. I I'm I'm trouble though. I will tell you. I'm <laughs> trouble. Are you trouble? I would never um, have guessed that. There I'm are, very tame. We yeah. I'm a tame kind of trouble. You're tame trouble. Okay. <laughs> there are some trouble. There's some trouble out there anyway. So trouble you'll, in River you'll City? fit right in. Trouble in River City. Are you and, kidding me? On the Perkins Combre. <laughs> I can't even speak. Don't get me anymore. singing in my musicals now. You y'all have opened it up. <laughs> Nobody opened anything up. You were the one who had. No, your, that's good. You it's, had your I, hand on the knob over I opened, there. I, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just a musical kind of day. It's a good yeah. day. Mm-hmm. It's a good day. But all right, oh yeah, go go right ahead. What else? Now, are you doing anything with Magic City Books or? Yeah, I mean, I've um, gosh, that was really my whenever I tried to like, okay, where's the literary kind of heartbeat of the city? Magic City Books. Um, I you know, it, this is before Fulton Street opened. This is before I got to know folks at Woody. Um, Woody Books in the Kendall Whittier. So there's so many great independent bookstores in Tulsa too um, that really do, 
excuse me, that really do quite a bit for their respective communities. Yeah, it just sprung up in the last few years mm-hmm. because oh, I remember yeah. when I was I used to write this zine called Oaky Load. It was about the music scene in Tulsa, and this was in the uh, late nineties. Downtown Tulsa was it was just a desert really. The only thing that was down there was the Canes Ballroom. And which was nice, and it was still cool to go to a show at the Canes, but there was no air conditioning, <laughs> and uh, it was kind of you know sketchy. But it's just amazing how downtown has changed since then. Well, it's yeah. brought a lot of vibrancy too. I mean, I'm, I've, I've never, I've never, I never knew so many. Like I, I work with a lot of poets and writers and performers, comedians, etc. That are in their early twenties mm-hmm. um, through the work that I do with the collective that I help organize called Sunday Collective, um, and the, the director of our collective, she's her name is Alyssa Brown. She's twenty three. She's an actor. She's a director. She has her own sketch comedy thing that she does. She, I mean, she's very, very, very talented. She's twenty three years old. I would have never been that ambitious at twenty three. Mm-hmm. No, um, and she's I was also still got, partying too much at twenty three. Well, she got an opportunity to read with Joy Harjo Jeez. at the Woody Guthrie Center Jeez. at a free reading that was free and open <laughs> to the public. Mm. Can you believe that? And you know, I mean, what poet gets to say that they got to read with the U.S. poet laureate? I know. Mm. She's been down here on our main street. Yeah, she's know? and she's incredible. <laughs> she is. I mean, that's that's the kind of uh, you know the last episode that we had. I gave that quote. You know, poet in Russia must be you know is bigger than you know, what is it? The poet in Russia is bigger than just a poet. More than just a poet. Mm-hmm. I mean, that you know, poet with the capital P. That is what Joy Harjo is. Oh yeah. Going into the community, bringing not waiting for people to come to her but she's going mm-hmm. right she's she's making her i mean incredible incredible well and she had that quality too and you have it also in the quality of a poet is being a performer because i you know grew up um, and i went to college and i studied all the traditional and the modern and the contemporary poets and there were a lot of them that i could not stand to listen Absolutely. to i love reading your poetry but shut up <laughs> so she has that quality of being this this great poet and she's also a performer your dad had that i think you have that, you do have that thank you yeah, yeah. and you that's do. thank you that's yeah, I, wonderful yeah you yeah. know you're i think they're big things Oh, thank Come, you. You know, it's, it's nice so don't say. don't forget us. No, <laughs> how could I? How could I? Well, I never did that podcast. What are you talking about? I never did that. I don't know who these people are. No, Locus, quite the opposite. I'm Locus very, Grove. What are you talking about? I'm very proud to know town, y'all. Fourteen hundred people. But yeah, but this little town of fourteen hundred people. You know, here's a. I mean, the that event that we went to where it was you were giving awards out. Wonder City Work Fest. Yeah. yeah. I mean, my goodness. Wonderful poetry. Wonderful poetry. And then I heard, I, heard, uh, I think it was a nine-year-old boy who yes. was something like that. Uh-huh. And he had his poetry, trans- his poem that he read that day, translated into Cherokee by one of the vendors. Oh, yeah, Louisa. That yeah. was there, right there in real time. Uh-huh. And then at the same event, here I am also reading poetry in Russian. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's yeah. not bad for... Yeah. A town of 14,000. It's not. True. And then Tom, Tom Henry showed up and started singing songs over yeah. there and the while we were watching the wonderful. <laughs> yeah. yeah, right. And then, I mean, but that's, you know, that that's what culture is. It's something that that's, makes you feel alive, something that makes you, like, I want to share the, the best of my culture. Mm-hmm. I want to share, and when people talk about American culture and that it doesn't exist, it's just like, well, maybe not in the same sense that, like, French culture does, <laughs> right? Or, you know, maybe, like, Iranian culture, something that's much more ancient, right? It's like, that's your Persian culture. Mm-hmm. Like, that's a very different, you know, you're comparing apples to oranges. It's yeah. just different. That's all it is. I mean, yes, right, the U.S. is much younger, of course. But, I mean, in terms of the quality of letters, I mean, nobody, even my dad was reading Whitman in the Soviet Union, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, Uncle Tom's Cabin and, you know, these great canonical books. Um but you know the that's where that's why Tulsa is so impressive to me right now, especially as like there even when I was growing up, you know, in the '90s, 2000s, there really wasn't much to do. There really wasn't a lot of competing mm-hmm. anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and my dad would try to have readings at the PAC or at the University of Tulsa, and he would always try to bring his students along with him. And that's something I really like through with Sunday Collective. Um, we've been doing events for like a year or so. And I noticed that there was still this huge gap between poets that are established and writers that are just emerging, right? Maybe you're – nobody likes saying emerging. You're either a writer or you're not. (laughs) But, 
Um, it's just an act of doing, right? Yeah. Um, and so, but let's just say experienced and established, right? Rather than not, you're new to the game. I mean, that is the whole purpose of this collective was just to bridge that gap. So it's just a space for, if this is your first time reading your work, perfect. Because you're about to be reading with the Tulsa Artist Fellow that we also brought in. Um, you're going to be reading with the poet that is in her late 20s that has, I'm talking about Crystal Stone here specifically, but the late 20s, uh, I'm probably aging her, but that doesn't matter. She's an incredible poet. <laughs> She'll forgive you. But she has, yeah, she has like six books out. <laughs> I don't have a single one. I'm 34. Uh, not that that's how you measure your own worth or anything as a writer, you know, by the things that you have published. <laughs> but it, it's just, um, it's just so amazing that in the same collective, like, we have me, I'm working on like all this crazy Russian stuff and I'm working on my, you know, translating a book of my dad and a memoir of his and then my own work and all these big, you know, other projects that I'm doing around town. Um, but then I have a food service worker that is 37 and he's just, he's a non-traditional student and he's finished, his name is Nathaniel Williamson, uh, Nathaniel Williams. And he writes incredible, he's a, he's has such a good eye for form Right. Some people just do like you're just great at sonnets or good at gozzles or whatever. And it's just incredible. And here's a space that has been carved out for him to connect and to continue to build his passion. And that's the Tulsa Poets Collective. Is that, that is what's it called? Uh, the one that I help organize is called Sunday Collective. Sunday Collective. Uh, the Tulsa Poets Collective is something I'm also involved in, but it's a very like loose Calling it, like, collective is already a very loose organizational <laughs> term. Uh, and I, I love the Poets Collective because it's, it's really just a Facebook group, a social media group. Okay. But we just try to share opportunities as much as we can. Here's an open mic. Here's a contest. Here's something that's published. Or is there a reading? Or I'm looking for, like, for example, I'm sitting on Living Arts' poetry committee. Um, we're looking for poets. Here's a good place to put a call out. Okay. Right? So it's that kind, kind of a thing. network thing. Yeah, and it's very loose. Well, and what do you know about the Tri-City Collective then? Oh, my goodness. The, tri the Tri-City Collective. That, and what are the three cities? Um, the three cities, I, I believe they refer to this. Uh, Tri-City Collective was started by uh, Koresha Lee Lansana, um, who I think should be Tulsa's Poet Laureate. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He does. He does so much. Uh, Tulsa doesn't have a poet laureate. No, he does not. Okay, all right. But if, if it wants to set itself apart from Oklahoma yeah. City, maybe it should think there about it. There we go. It. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and a youth poet laureate too. Um, but all that stuff aside, um, they do just so much. They do so much. Uh, they run uh, a radio program called uh, Focus Black Oklahoma mm -hmm. on NPR. They are. God, they're all over the place. Everything from education to community engagement. Um, it's a collective of educators poets i mean just so, so much and they they're just so much more like that is a true like professional collective like that's very very organized uh i, I can't even begin to say how much q does through them like courage i'm sorry we call him q sometimes <laughs> uh, and he was a student of gwendolyn brooks wow and he's in tulsa and yeah. he's from enid i and... got to see gwendolyn brooks oh wow yeah it was wonderful and it's he... in stillwater in the 80s yeah. Oh my gosh. Good times. <laughs> have you had a Have you had a chance to see him perform? No, I haven't. I've talked to him. Oh, he's wonderful. And he is supposed to do. He's supposed to come here. Oh, great. At some point, we're both on the list. We're scholars on the list of the Let's Talk About It book club program through Oklahoma Humanities, and and I had contacted him, and then he was telling me about um, some things that were coming up this fall. So we hope to get him out here. He he has a. A, bi a children's biography on Ralph Ellison that's coming out this fall, and also a art and poetry book. So we hope to have him out for yeah, he's maybe a, the you know a reading. I, I admire Koresh so much. He's mm -hmm. he's one of the, he's he's just like you. You know, the, these are poets in their communities that are trying to raise um, the accessibility of conversation with the arts. Mm -hmm. Uh, and with contemporary social issues that matter to the community immediately, but also, you know, to America at large. And what are the three cities? The three cities. Sorry, sorry, sorry. I think <laughs> no, I asked because I was on their website trying to figure it out, and I couldn't find anything. Don't quote said. me. I think the three cities are uh, tied with Koresh's, uh biography. So I think the three cities oh. refer to Chicago, okay, yeah. uh, Enid, and I believe also Tulsa. Okay. So the three cities along his literary journey. He, he also lived in uh, lived and studied 
and worked in uh, New York City for quite some time as well. I'm, I'm not crazy. I mean, it makes me sound like a fanboy. I, I am a little bit of, of him. <laughs> uh, but there's just so many just powerful. I mean, Steve Bellanaka, if, uh, he's an, another great Tulsa artist fellow, but he's um, just a phenomenal poet. Um, and he started something called the Tulsa Glitterary Series. Um, Glit. Glitterary, so glitterary, gl- glitter okay. and literary, right, right together. Oh, I like yeah. glitterary. Right, and it's and it focuses uh, that series specifically focuses on um, you know voices from the LGBTQIA plus. <laughs> there we go. I did it. Uh, community in that spectrum, um, but also you know bringing in poets that aren't from that community. So it's in, it's in conversation. He's also uh, editor of uh, Forktine Press, and I'm, su- I'm submitting some poems there that's, um, hopefully they get in, but they're based on <laughs> Rocky Horror Picture Show. And it's just to send some uh, some poems to an anthology. Yeah. They don't care who you are. It's, yeah. you know, like, if you have a good poem, it'll be in the anthology kind of, kind of thing. But that's another poet that does so much for the community, and we're having um, the Sunday Collective invited him to read at, uh, we're doing a big Pride event on uh, June 25th where mm-hmm. all of the performers... Which is Tulsa Pride, correct? That's the yes. Week, you're right, that weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, all of the performers are from the community. Nice. And yes. the only cisgender voices will be myself and Alyssa briefly introducing the MC, well, And then that's that's the event. Nicely represented. We, you know, of course. <laughs> no, but that's that's the event, you I know, see. right? See. And it's it's more. It's not about us. We're there mm-hmm. to listen. Sure. I think in a in a society that has so much free speech, or that likes to talk about having so much free speech, I think we're very quick to forget that in order for free speech to exist, you also have a responsibility to listen. Yeah, mm-hmm. certainly. Oh so. yeah, and that's particularly true of poetry um, because I think there are so many people who write poetry, and I've ha- had this experience with them, so I'm speaking some from experience here. Right. <laughs> and never read it. Do mm. not read poetry. Can't even name I can't do that. a favorite <laughs> poetry. I know. Uh, but we, you know, sadly, we do have people who come in the museum. I like everybody to come in here, but they they want to have me read their poetry, and but they won't talk about They're not even interested in looking in the museum, so. Sorry mm-hmm. to be a downer there, but no, no, that's that's, real, that's a point. You have to read other people's work. You have to, and I would think you would want to, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but that's how you become a really great poet: is that you're aware of other great poets and what they're doing and their techniques, and you can imitate and adapt to your voice. But right, are you counter the tradition? Yeah. Are you following yeah. it? Are you in conversation? Some po- some writers, yeah. you know, not just poets, some writers. Just in general, really, I think it was Kurt Vonnegut who said um, there are two types of writers, writers that like to engage with other writers and then writers that just don't give a damn, <laughs> more, more or less. I'm paraphrasing, but, but and, and that's fine, but you need to at least be aware of, okay, are you, okay, what you just wrote is a, a bad cover song of Howl by Allen Ginsberg, and you're not even aware of it, right? No. And here you are, you know, holding it like a masterpiece, and it's just like, would you st- would you start learning music without ever hearing a musical instrument in your life? Mm-hmm. Of course not. Right. It's poems we would take to poetry court if we mm. were still doing that segment. <laughs> we used to have a segment on here called Poetry Court, and I was scarred. It scarred me. <laughs> I, it was my baby, and I was like, I don't want to keep this baby. I want it to be adopted. Did out. it bring out everyone's? I was well, too mean. You were too no, yeah, mean. Have have. She had a gavel. She had a gavel. And oh, she didn't just goodness. use it on the table. She used it on me. So I was beaten to a pulp. I was about to say, the table looks like it's in pretty good condition, so I'm a little wor- worried about you. Got some dents in the cranium. Yeah, but uh, th- this is true, is that uh, it's it's a wonderful experience to be able to hear other people and to, you know hear their point of view. And to be, um, you know, get to fall in love with someone else's poetry. But if you are also a poet, it's a vital experience. And, you know, it's not just something you do for enjoyment. You have to have it uh, if you want to develop your own skills. If you don't, you know, a lot of people, they just want to write their little poetry in seclusion. And that's fine. Yeah. But if you want people to read it, you know, and you want people to enjoy it, and you want to really develop yourself, you you got to read other poets. Well, even Dickinson, mm-hmm. who wrote in Seclusion, was an avid reader. Yes, she was. Yes, she was. Was an avid, avid reader. Uh, definitely. Or as I say, if you want to walk in Edwin Teal Starfield, know what his property was and how he respected it and loved it. <laughs> there Correct. Go. 
Like there that. you go. I like that. Correct. <laughs> I get it. I got myself. <laughs> mm-hmm. But you know, just from going, to, I mean, I think I went to just in April. I counted it up. I went. I saw at least sixty-two different poets. Wow. And they were all published. Mm-hmm. And most of them were from Oklahoma. And I think just this calendar year, just because I've made I've made this a priority, then I have no life outside of, <laughs> outside of the. But I've just made it a priority to go see as many poets as I possibly can while I'm in Tulsa, while I'm in Oklahoma during this time, um, and just see what the voices, you know, the gen- different across generations, across perspectives, right? And so, I mean, that kind of stuff, like what, what Paul Uhas, for example, is doing with the Woody Guthrie Poetry mm-hmm. Anthology, mm-hmm. He's not, he doesn't have any funding for that, not mm-hmm. really, but here I am, you know, I, an emerging writer, somebody that doesn't have a book, I submitted some work to this anthology, and now my name is elevated, uh, and I was my my work was accepted, you know, very graciously, to, thanks to Paul and everyone associated with the Woody Guthrie poets. But my work was accepted, and now my work is published in the same anthology as Relaskew, as so many, I mean, countless. Sean Perkins. Perkins, yeah, Sean Perkins. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Sean Perkins, Quinn Carver Johnson, who I mentioned <laughs> earlier, their work is going to be published in this anthology. There's three different sites that they're doing mm-hmm. readings at. I think Okima is oh, one yeah. of them. Oklahoma I'm very City, excited. Tulsa. I get yeah. to do Okima this you get to, year. Oh, I was so I've jealous. done it for many years, and I got to go everywhere, and I love going to Okima. That's though. where the name Guthrie's Royalty, yeah. Okima. Well, it's because also David Amram is always in yes. uh, Okima yeah. and doing the accompaniment with his piano or his drum or his flute or whatever. It's such an awesome Don't they experience. have a folk festival also? That's going yeah. on during oh, the okay. festival. Right. I got it. Yeah. I got it. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Isn't that something special? It I mean, is. And, that's, and that's something, you know, that writers that have MFA is writers that have books published that they're doing this, you know, in goodwill. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they're trying to, instead of, there are, you know, in different creative fields, there are I don't like saying the word creatives. I just artists. But uh, there are people that just like it's about the show is about them and they don't care. They don't they don't want a, if the rising tide lifts all boats. They don't want that. They just want their boat lifted. Mm-hmm. Then there are but most of the artists that I've run into, especially in Oklahoma, have it's that very much that collective feeling mm-hmm. of we're all in this together. It's not about like. Yes, we're elevating some people's works here and there through awards or ceremonies or readings or whatever. But at the end of the day, like it's a really great commu- like regional community here in the state. Yeah, um, you know, like with 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 what Dr. Ken Hayda is doing at Scissor Tail. Oh it's yeah, incredible. Scissor Tail uh, writing fe- creative writing festival. Yes, and there's always so many. I mean, I've been only to two, and I'm just blown away by the mm-hmm. quality of of work mm-hmm. and the variety of voices and just mm-hmm. even him being able to get big name, you know, mm-hmm. poets. Like Arthur C. is a huge contemporary yeah. poet. Yeah. Uh, so is Major Jackson. And it's like, it's just wild. Major Jackson's editor at the Harvard Review, and he's also a professor at Vanderbilt. And Arthur C. was, <laughs> he's so influential. I think he is, he's uh, the mentor of Laylee Long Soldier. Uh, he was a phenomenal contemporary poet. Please check her out. You know, we're talking about reading yeah. other people's works, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is what it is. Yeah, because there's... Jake Skeets, who's in Oklahoma right now, too, is an incredible poet. He's a professor at OU, but I'm sorry. No, ahead. you were talking about the people who who don't want to, you know, they just want to stay in their bubble and they want to allow people in. It's because you're operating out of this uh, scarcity, this sense oh, of yes. scarcity, of a, a scarcity framework. And it's not. It, there's not a scarcity out there. There is plenty of room for everyone and for everyone's poetry, good and bad. I mean, and again, that's what this museum is about. Right. Yeah. And, it, and this museum is such a great, like, every time I come here, I just can't help by being drawn drawn in on what, what you all have on the walls or what you all, just the spirit of the place. And it's just like, if you don't know anything about poetry and you come to Locust Grove, Oklahoma, and one day you will become so well-read and so well-versed that how could you not write a poem that same day? Ah, and I'm, no, but really. I love that line. Well, right. And also I'm taking on, that line not, out not and putting it somewhere. Not only write it, put it on the wall here. <laughs> but it's living, right? It's not just in a book. It's not just <laughs> on a shelf. You know, you see it. It's in, like... The quotes are in interaction with each other, right? You have the images and whatever you're... Yes. Like, everything seems to be in conversation with itself, even though in the same place in Locust Grove, you have something about some weird Soviet poet next to, you know, (laughs) these great regional poets that are writing. And I don't even like using regional because they're just poets, but there's a massive sense of place in Oklahoma poetics, Mm -hmm. uh, which is very, very important. I would like you to read another one. Of your poems, oh, another if you've one got another one yeah, picked out that we can uh, hear, I do. I'll... because uh, you know what, we're a poetry podcast. <laughs> I, who would it, are we? 
Now you tell me it's 85 episodes some, in, now you tell me. I know. In some of those past episodes, people are probably halfway through going, I thought this was about poetry. Because <laughs> yeah. Bill and I are going off on something. We're no, but that's sorry. part of that's, that's Bill's part going of off on something more likely. You know? <laughs> Bill's going off yeah. on something. Uh, I, yeah, or, you know, gesturing wildly over there. And I'm, I'm telling bad Chuck Norris jokes. You know, and... some people are jesters. I'm a gesturer. <laughs> You're, you're a gesturing jester. There we go. Okay. Uh, that's now that's Halloween. a book title. That's my Halloween outfit. <laughs> Write it down. You know. I don't have a pen. I got all this paper gesturing around me, jester. and I've got a Time magazine from a... April thirteenth, nineteen sixty-two. Yes, you're right. Vishinka's dad on the cover. Yeah, Soviet poet Evtushenko. Which is a great cover art on that. By the way, it's beautiful. It is. It is. What is like... there? Is there some sort of interpretation of this not to my knowledge i I did a little bit of research on that just because i was really curious the (laughs) uh, the same artist um and maybe i'm conflating him with the the artist that did the uh, the poster that you have here at the museum for the madison square garden reading yeah my my dad had but i i think he just kind of had a photograph as reference and he just went with it okay and used some imagery from my dad's poetry it looks like a british robin i'm all about the bird or a little towhee or something it looks a gross beak it looks like it must mean something obviously certainly a mystery to be solved yeah Mm -hmm. (laughs) but from that um gosh i I guess i'm reading from the same um yeah from the same project It's it's a long poem is that okay yes um it's this one's just about the different ways that the different faces that love wears and that we all fall in love differently at different in different ways with different people. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just called Let Yourself Fall. Let yourself fall horribly in love with an everyday pain that wraps on a window one raindrop at a time before each drop begins to rhyme together softly enough to make a train stop chiming against the still glass windows. Let yourself fall horribly in love, falling through beauty's cellar door like American spirit embers kissing, not hitting a wet floor where mud hugs boots reflecting only the false fluorescent hum of a light above. If time isn't an empress, maybe she's a monk who has yet to confess his honesty, still frightened of what was, still praying for what could be. Let yourself fall horribly in love, the way lightning finds a bottle from above, its bright branches growing down as dreams do, like doves which flow skyward higher than Icarus could have dared. One by one, electrons surrender empires and flashes to the ceremony of a simple bottle as we close the lid together. Let yourself fall horribly in love with the safety of the secrets of our sleep where tears roll past the unfortunate topography of my, of my face where a home can become a place to make mistakes. Nothing true requires a sacrifice to fall horribly in love with the cosmic throw of some sacred dice bouncing down along eroded shores down through a familiar mystery of a cellar door. Who weighs the worth of a word and names its music taxonomy? A microscope teaches differently about the loneliness of infinitesimality. Those who measure worth, like promises kept and secrets burnt, must count our value in the number of chains broken before we sleepwalk through our time, before we can turn every wall into a door. Let yourself fall horribly in love once more as storms pass and poems end, a last heavy raindrop hitting, not kissing, an open palm, the water, Swimming past the ceaseless creases before falling horribly in love. <laughs> lovely, lovely, lovely. <laughs> let yourself fall. Just let yourself, yeah, lovely. Just the permission to be vulnerable, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Allow yourself to do this. Yes. Um, you feel a little oaky in that poem because you have the cellar door. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm just no, I like it. That's good. That's good. <laughs> I was thinking about. Um, have y'all heard this thing about... Um, and you just said y'all. Well, of course. <laughs> I'm Russian, right? That's what we said. Um, but y'all have heard uh, that cellar door is considered by many English language linguists as one yes. of the like the most beautiful, beautiful words. Yeah. Them, right? Yeah. We wouldn't think yes. about that, right? And so Wind the, chimes also. Wind, wind chimes, chimes. Yeah. yeah. But by cellar door, are we talking about the dual doors that lift up? <laughs> Wait, am I, oh, I'm yeah, sorry, very, never mind. I, I never know what mind. you're talking about. Or is it the, the hatch, right? 
<laughs> I'm sorry. My train left the track. <laughs> no, it's just a cellar door. Cellar door. Oh, Wait. I was taking it literally. I'm sorry. No, no, take it literally as well. That's, that's the great thing about poetry. You can mm-hmm. interpret it how many different ways that's you want That's right, to. and you have to take a poem literally. Mm-hmm. You do. I mean, you can take it metaphorically, mm-hmm. but it better have a literal yeah. sense. Yeah. If it's a good poem, yeah. That's right. right. It has to have that. Yeah. That or it's a damn good metaphor <laughs> that holds the whole thing together. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, and there's just so many great, great voices in Tulsa right now, and I'm just so happy to be – I mean, an, another poet that I'll, I'll give another shout out to is uh, that I really, really admire. His name is Fatodi Amshairi. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Fatodi. Wonderful. And he creates so many, oppor- he has um, created so many opportunities for, again, that gap between poets that aren't published and poets that are. He creates so many opportunities with the anthologies that he runs through New Greenwood LLC, open calls and different stuff like that. That's just like guys that are, you know, just like me, you know, kind of vagabonds and roustabouts and mm-hmm. hirelings. You know, mm-hmm. they're they're they can be published poets too, mm-hmm. uh, not just guys. You know, guys and gals and everybody, everybody and anybody that has a heart and wants to put that heart on the paper and see what happens. That's yeah. that's a good guy to mention to end this because his name is a anagram for the poet, for Toadie. Okay, <laughs> I, I new to me. I'll research. You know. Absolutely. I've tried to get him to come here before. <laughs> oh man, yeah. I, th- I think uh, honestly, we should. Uh, I should round up a, a, a little, a little collective and just yeah. bring everybody up here, and we can That's just have right. a, Oh, how cool would that? Forty-five be? minutes down the road. Yeah, and just he's down. an incredible performer too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anthony Brinkley too. Another, another yes, one of those I've talked guys. To Anthony. Yeah. 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 But I, I like. But when I'm in Tulsa, you know, as much as I'm, I'm plugging Tulsa here in Locust Grove, I'm talking about you all down there, too. All right. Yeah, cool. but really, it's like there's a really, just a really special space here. Yeah. Talk about okay. us old folk yeah, over there. Right. <laughs> little satellite network out here, you know, spinning around, you know. Yeah. Well, even the poets in the collective that I'm that I'm part of, you know, they're very like, they're like, what are you doing today? It's just like, oh, yeah, I'm going to visit my friends in Locust Grove, you know, to do a couple. It's like, we would love to go up there. It's like, oh, let's get your car and get here. That's what I'm telling them. Yeah, Tulsans have a bad habit of we don't leave the city. We don't, or, leave, we don't leave, right. Or right. we don't even leave like midtown Tulsa. It's like there's a whole city there. And Maybe we, they could hit your ride with Ricky because uh, Ricky, you know, he's, he gets pretty good. Ride. We have a local guy, Ricky, who. I just now remember. Yeah, the funny he, he hitchhikes thing. to Tulsa and he hitchhikes home so it's you amazing. know you see this little guy talking about highway. vagabond lifestyle yeah, he, yeah. <laughs> yep. now i bet you ricky has enough material for a book of <laughs> i was do you it's see, just called hitchhiker it's just stories speaking based of around. tulsa do you see yourself now I, I see yourself as a good representative of, of not only poetry but tulsa and in our in general do you see you're engaged uh do you see yourself or do you think you would want to sit down roots in tulsa and oklahoma and then expand or do you uh, does a larger city call you i i don't know you're so young i i you know that it's an open-ended question um i just think that if there was an opportunity somewhere i probably you know of course you know the right opportunity right whatever that looks like to Mm -hmm. everyone is very different but yeah if somebody said like a tulsa remote type program but in i don't know a different part of the country like an i like a Boise, Idaho remote, <laughs> right, where they're paying you $10,000 to move to Boise. Um, why not? Mm-hmm. You know, Understood. like, right. And I mean, I'm, I am I don't have any children. You know, that's why I'm able to put six months of <laughs> unpaid labor into poetry and really pour my heart into it. Um, because as, as much as I, like, I chose to stay in Tulsa for my undergraduate education mm-hmm. um, because I didn't have a good sense of the city when I was 18, 19. And now at 34, 35, I'm, I'm very proud to say that even despite Tulsa's, you know, dark history and its issues, that I'm very proud to call myself an adopted Tulsan. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm very proud to call myself an Oklahoman as well, as just as much as I mentioned, you know, that I'm Russian or whatever. Um, those two identities exist, you know, simultaneously um, for me. Um, and people always ask, like, what are you doing in Tulsa? You know, go to New York City or go somewhere. And, like, yeah, I, I would love to go somewhere that has maybe – not that there aren't a lot of Russian speakers in Tulsa, um, but the community just isn't as well-connected as, you know, even in, like, Los Angeles, the Russian-speaking community there is huge. Um, New York City, obviously, Brighton Beach, you know, that whole area. But I don't necessarily need need that. If that makes sense, just because I've lived most of my life, you know, not really engaging with the language in my own terms instead of 
within a community, which is a little isolating yeah. <laughs> at times. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I would like to, I don't know if I want to live in Tulsa forever, but if that also happens, this is not a bad place. <laughs> yeah, not. you can't know that. No one can know that. No, but exactly. voices like yours, experiences like yours, uh, um, a heritage like yours is very much needed in this and appreciated in this state, in this city. So that's wonderful, you know, and I recognize that. So someone well, who's, a, someone a, who's a little older than you are, just <laughs> a little bit older. Well, there's a, you know, I'm sure you all have run into this because, you're, Sean, you're a, you're a, you know, a boomerang citizen of this city, right? You left and then you came back. Uh-huh. Oh, boomerang citizen. I've never heard that. I, I that like sounds, it. Sounds very Aussie. <laughs> yeah, very right. Australian. Yeah, went down under, came back with like, some shrimp or whatever. But, um, no, but there's a lot of, like, boomerang Tulsans right now, yeah. people that are coming back mm-hmm. um, that are, you know, mid-career professionals or something like that. Or maybe they're around my age. Um, where they're close to mid-career professional, <laughs> which I'm not. I would never describe myself as mid-career or professional, <laughs> let alone together. Um, but you know, it, it's it's very interesting to see. Like I mentioned, Jenny Croft earlier. Like it's interesting to see what those Tulsans are bringing back mm-hmm. to the city. Their experiences. Um, in Jenny's case, she brought. I mean, one of my my friends and, and mentors, um, Boris Stralyuk, who's one of the top. Um, Russophonic translators in the world, very high in demand, and he lives in Tulsa. What a what a, what a boon for me! <laughs> um, but he's also an incredible poet. His poetry was included in the best Amer- the anthology of the best American poetry of 2023, and he's living in Tulsa. Hmm. Um, and just there's so many just great opportunities right now in the city, and I'm happy to try to bridge that. Like right now. I guess through my through my life and through my creative practice, I'm trying to be the type of poet that I needed to be around when I was in my early twenties. Yeah. The person yeah. that's not like somebody's just starting out, great. Let me introduce you to Fatodi, to Koresh, to, you know, as many people as I can in the city. Or you want to be a literary translator, go to these Tulsa Artist Fellow events with George Henson, who's a Spanish language translator, or Arthur Dixon, who's a comedian and a translator and a poet. <laughs> All right. So it's just very, very vibrant. And I just wish the city would encourage its young people to to Certainly. embrace that, yes. to mm-hmm. embrace yeah. that. Um, and maybe that's not the city's role mm-hmm. necessarily. But. I don't know. I mean, it could be branding is still a big thing. It could be a part of the, you know, whatever branding they do in the marketing department at the Tulsa Chamber of Commerce, government. I don't know, whoever mm-hmm. does all that stuff. Yeah. Big wigs. There you um, go. <laughs> you know, it, what I would enjoy is... Are you wrapping it up, Bill? Um, a little bit, but okay. before, we, before we wrap up, what I would enjoy is a, a, a compilation, a list of poets that, Jenny, you recommend, Sean knows multitudes, because I would like, as the layperson among this group, I would like a list of who you love so I could explore. Oh, wow. Who you love, who I, who I can explore. That would be a treasure trove, you know. Uh, po- poets in Oklahoma or poets in Tulsa or just poets in general? Poets in general. Oh, you know, wow. j- Just the ones you – and there might be dozens and dozens. Yes. And that's, that's fine. <laughs> you know, but it's nice to have a place to start to say mm-hmm. I'm going to investigate this person, this mm-hmm. person, this person, mm-hmm. you know, because I know the frost and the teals and the things. Uh, I skim the surface. Yes. I, would, I would say if you're a person living in Oklahoma that is curious about poetry, you absolutely have to know the poetry of Joy Harjo. Mm-hmm. Well, and Joy, and I, I've had the pleasure of meeting. Yeah. And yeah. I, uh, you know, we, I actually got to read, like I've, I may have explained to you, I call it a happening, like a 60s yes, happening. Yes, Where we stood in the, we stood in the, we stopped traffic and stood and read poetry over and over her, her and poetry, over while yeah. she, while she walked around and filmed this. <laughs> so that was cool. Yeah. That was, you know, yeah. just like watching you and Sean recite in Russian and English the, 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 the poem. Uh, these are wonderful things that are spontaneous and they're they're happenings. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, brief moments in, in time that occur that are kind of sparkly, gold, gold dust moments. Mm-hmm. So, and as former Oklahoma poet laureate, who I think is phenomenal, is Benjamin Myers. Oh yeah, absolutely phenomenal. Family Book of Martyrs. Read. Yes, great book. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. And he's been to Romp. He came and oh cool did yeah. way back when we were out in the woods. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I love wow. I love Bill McLeod. Like yeah. when I when Bill's I first Bill's just down the road. Bill, yes. Pryor. Oh yeah. Like when I first started, <laughs> um, I heard Joe Harjo a while ago say uh, I was um, at a 
again, a free event at Philbrook where anybody could have seen her. There was a Q&A portion, and a young writer um, asked her, um, what's the best advice you could give to young writers? Pretty standard question. She said, grow your community. Mm-hmm. Plug into a community. Find mm-hmm. it. Whether that's a tactile community, you know, like we're talking, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, we're talking about poetry. We're smiling. We're laughing. We're really engaging with it. We're living with it. But also the community on the page, mm-hmm. right? You can have, that's the beautiful thing about the written word, is that you can have a conversation with anybody that ever sat down and wrote something, as long as mm-hmm. that's preserved. And like, that's such a powerful feeling. It was, um, what's that old James Baldwin quote where he's, he said that, I think re- something like, I'm paraphrasing it horribly, but like reading literature showed him that he wasn't the first person to feel a certain type of pain. And made mm-hmm. him feel a lot less yeah, lonely. Certainly, um, and that's so powerful. I mean, that was my my dad as a young as a young child for sure. That was me my, mm-hmm. when I first started. You know, on my own terms, not just through my father, but on my own terms, I'm building a relationship with poetry and with literature. But uh, other poets that I would recommend, I mean, Yusuf Kumunyaka is an incredible poet. Um, he's a Vietnam War veteran. So powerful. He writes kind of um, in a blues music musical style, but he did, one of my favorite poems of his. I forgot the, forget the title, but the subject matter is so simple. It's just about him being a young boy, and he's just lifting up a board, like a wooden board in his yard. And I was that kid that was really into mm-hmm. mugs and stuff. And he just lifts it up, and you know, there's all these creepy crawlies and stuff, and it looks like something out of a nightmare. But he makes it. He paints it so beautifully. That it's just this. Oh, thing. I'm gonna have to vi- investigate this because I was in the oh, creek yeah. bed, turning over rocks, <laughs> looking at snakes and and frogs and fish. Well, it's just that basic human curiosity, mm, right? Yeah. Even you know, not not just as poetry that's about you know the war or anything like mm-hmm. that. Just like Bill, you know, Bill was a Vietnam War veteran mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. His Vietnam poetry is very powerful, but just his perspective on stuff is very very interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, gosh, another poet that I really really gravitate towards, I would say. Um, Man, I, I just can't, I can't get enough. I mean, Pablo Neruda, you can't. Mm, he's, I love he, Neruda. Of, uh, he, <laughs> that, that name is the most yes. the most famous poet of the twentieth century, and uh, probably for good and for good reason. Yeah, yeah. Um, Rilke, Rilke's great. Mm-hmm. Uh, lots of lyrical stuff. I really you like. You must change your life. You must change your life. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I've been reading a lot of. I'm not very well versed in um, Persian literature. Uh, a friend of mine, Lawrence Foshi, he's a poet, um, and he's he's a great formal formalist um, in terms of like that's kind of, he's kind of a puzzle master when it comes to his poetry that's kind of how he approaches it you know very strict with syllable counts and stuff like that um, he reads so widely that it kind of pushes how widely I read um, so I'm engaging with like Hafez who's a Persian classic and Rumi of course you know and mm-hmm. there's a that there also happens to be a Tulsa artist fellow named Dr. Kavi Basiri, who is an Iranian poet and who is an expert in translation. And so just because of his proximity there, I get to ask him all of these great questions for free. Mm. <laughs> for free, you know, I don't have to sign up for a college class. Right. Um, so I, I would say that's pro- – I think that's um, – I recently read uh, Katie Ferris's collection uh, in The Forest of Being Alive. She's a poet, and I believe she teaches at Princeton uh, but she was in Tulsa recently for Switchyard, and um, her husband is a, a poet that I admire immensely. Uh, his name is Ilya Kaminsky. He's also a translator, uh, and he's a Ukrainian-American poet, mm-hmm. and I got to hear him as well. So I would probably say in terms of three or four poets that are contemporary poets that are writing right now, the poets that I love the most are uh, Kaminsky, Ferris, Kumunyaka, uh, and Joy Harjo. Yeah, the, the, cool. that's a great list. Write that down. Yeah. I'm going re- to listen to this and jot some notes down. And so, so what I'm hearing you say, Jin Yen, Sean, is like, uh, uh, be aware of literature, be aware of poetry in today's in today's age. Also, be aware of those who suppress, who 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 don't want to, who don't want you to hear the written word, who want to ban. Oh yeah, absolutely. Let's be aware, you know, because mm-hmm. we take for granted that the literature that we have, you know. I never thought I'd live in a time where um, To Kill a Mockingbird is not allowed to be read in some high schools. Or Amanda Gorman's poem. Thank you. Who, she read it at Amanda, the inauguration. I'm, I'm, <laughs> exactly. And it's, but so anyway. Beware and be aware. Beware and be aware. Thank mm-hmm. you. Those are words to mm-hmm. live by. Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, and I know we all work so much, and you know, so much of us is 
taking up our daily lives and day-to-day needs. But that's really, you know, I think that's the purpose of art. I forget who said it, but all, all poetry is political or all art is political. Um, Art is the best way to hold ourselves accountable. Adrian Rich. Adrian that. Rich, yeah. 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 Yeah, thank you. You can't avoid it, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so people that say, well, I don't write, it's like, you do. You mm-hmm. just you might not know, mm-hmm. but you do. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And art is a way to hold ourselves accountable for the, for the beautiful things as well as, you know, the horrible things. Absolutely, yeah. Know, know it. Mm-hmm. Know it, exactly. Know it. Yeah, mm-hmm. and even if you don't like the poet, maybe so. <laughs> why, why, you know... I don't like Robert Frost, okay, but why do, I mean, I do, but but why do, but like, why do so many, you know, like I, the poets I listed were all contemporary poets. Who are they listing as their influences, mm-hmm. their teachers, you know, and that's how you have a conversation with time, or who are mm-hmm. their students, right? And so now you're having a conversation forward with time. Yeah. And where do you fit in? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and that's Certainly. poetry. Absolutely. And I love it when it comes from a tender place. Oh, that gets me. When you let me in, I love that. You know, I, I, it, you've done that in your writings. You let people in. It's like I'm gonna let you in. You can stab me if you want to, but I'm letting. <laughs> but I'm letting you in. Yeah, love, where you become vulnerable, and, you drop your you, guard. Yeah. You did that with with with, with your oh, with, you. with your poem. You're like I'm gonna let you in. Uh, you know, uh, you can make me bleed, but this is how I feel. I love that. You Thank know? you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've Absolutely. got my knife over here. It's, it's aimed right at you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Kwame Dawes, who runs um, Prairie Schooner at the University of Nebraska, he's considered, he calls himself the busiest man in literature. <laughs> uh, incredible guy. Um, I wish I knew him personally. But he said that um, emotion is the currency of poetry. Mm-hmm. Oh, without, without that, you have absolutely. nothing. It's just an exercise. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That needs to be on a pillow. It's emotion then, recollected in tranquility. Mm-hmm. You know, yes. go back in time mm-hmm. to Wordsworth. Oh man, <laughs> yeah, Wordsworth. Yeah, exactly. again, in conversation, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. In conversation, in, excellent. And, and what a conversation! I've enjoyed this and so what a much. Conversation too. Thank we you have so had. much. You know, I've had such a great day, y'all. Yeah. I'm not going to be able to. Like I'm gonna be writing the high of our episodes for like <laughs> for like a couple of weeks. I hope this is the highlight of your day. It is the highlight of my day. It really is. Is that egotistical? No. Okay. I want it to be the highlight of his week. Okay, there we go. Oh, easily. I'm, aim, aim higher. <laughs> aim higher. Yes. Well, thank yep. you so much, Jinya. Thank you for having me. Yeah. It was such a pleasure. Yes. We loved it. And thank you and for having my dad's exhibit here. That means the world to my family. Yes, and it's going to be here for we don't know how long. So you all need to to come and well, see us. Certainly. Absolutely. Yeah. It's a treasure. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you all so much. Bye, guys. Don't it all gay. <laughs>